Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of That's Entertainment. I'm your host, Tammy Jones-Gibbs, broadcasting live from the NYC. It is Wednesday, November 14th. 2018. For the next hour, I'm going to bring you the latest celebrity and entertainment news on Stan Lee, Michelle Obama, Bruno Mars, Serena Williams, Pharrell Williams, and a whole lot more. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after these messages. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When the unthinkable happens? Or is the best time perhaps today? Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. to another edition of That's Entertainment. I'm your host, Tammy jones Gear, where every week I bring you the latest in entertainment news, celebrity news, and pop culture. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. That's Entertainment has been on BTR for about eight years now. Also, if you want to make a comment about any of today's stories, give me a call. The call-in number is 347-637-2656. And press the number one. That's three four seven six three seven two six five six. And press the number one. Also like us on Facebook. Just go to www.facebook.com slash that's entertainment radio. Follow us on Twitter at that's entertain one. That's T H A T S entertain and the number one. You can also follow me on Twitter at stiletto fourteen. Stiletto like the shoe. S T I L E T T O and the number fourteen. And also follow me on Instagram. Just go to T Jones. Gibbs. That's T-J-O-N-E-S-G-I-B-B-S. Right now, the current temperature in the NY is a partly cloudy 40 degrees. Before I get started with the first story of the day, I'd like to give a shout-out to everyone who's listening on the phone line. Thank you again for joining me here on this Wednesday afternoon. And if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. I broadcast from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern here on BTR. And, uh, you know, we wasn't here last week. I took a week off. But uh, a lot of things have been going on since uh, last week. Uh, I want to uh, give a shout-out to um, to Gabrielle Union and her husband, Dwayne Ray. Congratulations. They welcomed the birth of their daughter via surrogate. Uh, Idris Elba was uh, put on People Magazine as one of the sexiest men alive. And now this week he has a, a doll. But uh, unfortunately, the doll doesn't look quite in his image. Uh, also, we're thinking about uh, our friends in California, you know, the wildfires. Uh, they've been wreaking havoc in Northern California, and it's making its way, uh, like, going, like, towards the southern parts. A lot of celebrities have lost their homes. Uh, a lot of lives have been lost. 
Um, Thanksgiving is next week. Can you believe it? Thanksgiving is next week. And for all of you people who are getting ready for the holidays, do you know we have about six more weeks or I guess you could say 41 days until Christmas? Wow. And uh, 2018 is almost over. The time has really flown. This year has gone by so quickly. Um, so uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, before I get started, um, if you have any comments about any of the stories that I mentioned on the show today and you want to give a call out, a shout out, or voice your opinion, the call-in number again is 347-637-2656 and press the number 1. Again, that's 347-637-2656. And press the number one. This week we're going to be talking about um, Mr. Stanley. You know him as, uh, I guess you can say he's like a real-life superhero. You know him as the creator of some of our Spider-Man, uh, the X-Men, Iron Man, the Avenger. He passed away uh, yesterday. He was only 95 years old. Uh, we remember Stan Lee because he... Had um, he was battling some illness uh, prior, and we also remember Stan Lee for not only creating these cr- powerful superheroes, but he also um, create. You know, he would make cameo appearances in some of the, the movies. You know, uh, uh, so we're really going to miss Stan Lee. Uh, he was uh, he had a, a rocky relationship with Marvel at one time. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about more about his life and the man behind all these great superheroes. Also this week, former First Lady Michelle Obama, uh, she uh, had an interview with uh, Good Morning America co-anchor Robin Roberts, uh, where she talked about her new book, Becoming, which is currently in stores now. She talked about her marriage. She talked about um, her struggle with fertility, you know, her relationship with the former president and how they had to seek counseling just like any other normal couple uh but her she's currently on this uh, uh book tour across the country and i think she's due uh she's due to come to new york i think next week and she's supposed to come back in december so we you know everybody in new york is really excited of her coming and uh also uh this week we're going to be talking about uh bruno mars um he's really doing something great for his home state of Hawaii. He just uh speaking of Thanksgiving, he uh he's covering the cost of 24,000 Thanksgiving meals to his fellow Hawaiians. We'll talk about that. Also, tennis great Serena Williams has been named GQ Woman of the Year, but uh it has a lot of people the cover of the magazine have a lot of people outraged, and I'll tell you more about it. Also, Pharrell Williams has been um, bombarded with a lot of angry social media messages after he performed at a benefit gig for Israeli Defense Forces. And I'll tell you what is going on, why people consider him a hypocrite. And uh, Snoop Dogg is the latest uh, celebrity to be honored with the 2,651st star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Let's get started with the most talked about stories of the week. Hit it. All right. Well, you know, uh, again, 
you know, it's 2018 is almost coming to a close. And, uh, you know, we can't talk about 2018 without this one particular person who has put, have made people fall in love with comics, who made people fall in love again with superheroes. And we're talking about the man, Stan, Stan Lee, who is responsible for much of the Marvel Universe. Uh, he has died. Uh, Stan's daughter uh, was telling TMZ that, uh, he, you know, he had been sick. He had suffered several illnesses over the last year or so, and he had a bout of pneumonia, and he had vis- vision issues. Uh, we were uh, told that an ambulance rushed Lee uh, to his Hollywood Hill home early on Monday morning, and he was rushed to Cedar Sinai Medical Center, and that's when uh, they, we were told that that's where he died. Um, as you can recall, you know, Stan started Marvel with uh, with another man by the name of Jack Kirby in 1961 with the Fantastic Four. And he went on to create Spider-Man, Black Panther, the Incredible Hulk, X-Men, Iron Man, and the Avengers. He also made up several cameo appearances in many of the Marvel movies. Uh, he also had a rocky relationship with Marvel once the company went full tilt Hollywood. He sued the company in 2002 for royalties. He said he was owed for the first Spider-Man movie. Three years later, he settled the case for $10 million. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the latest installment of the film franchise, and it's going to be released next month. Lee is survived by his daughter, J.C., his wife of 69 years, Joan, who died in 2004, uh, 2017, rather, and J.C. tells uh, TMZ, quote, that uh, his father loved all his fans. He was the greatest, most decent man. Stan Lee, dead at 95. May he rest in peace. And, you know, and, uh, you know, for all the people who loved comic books and loved the superheroes, um, you know, remember, uh, I think Comic-Con was one, one of the reasons why it was so successful because Lee had played a part in making these superheroes be bigger than life and come to life with the success of these movies and also brought back a lot of uh, the actors who careers were at a standstill or revived their careers like uh uh, Robert Downey Jr. Remember, he he brought back his career back to life, portraying Iron Man. Uh, we know Hugh Jackman became very popular with the X Men series, playing Wolverine. Um, so it, it, he he has definitely influenced a lot of fans' lives and and a lot of actors' lives with bringing these superheroes back to life. And, uh, you know, people reading his comic books and uh, adoring these superheroes and wanting to be like these superheroes and inspiring people to, you know, become something that, you know, you dream about, fantasize about. And uh, he's truly going to be missed. He really is. Um, but he's still there's still more Marvel movies still in the work, even though... Um, of some of the uh actors like um especially um like Chris Evans and and Robert Downey Jr who contracts have already expired and that they they have talked about no longer playing these beloved superheroes but uh we'll see what's next 
We'll see what is next with the Stan Lee's legacy. Uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama, she revealed to Good Morning America co-anchor Robin Roberts that she and husband Barack Obama turned to marriage counseling when their relationship needs a bit of healing. Uh, Michelle Obama spoke candidly with Roberts ahead of Tuesday release of her highly anticipated memoir, Becoming, for a special in- interview prior to embarking on her book tour. The lawyer also shared her struggle with infertility and that she suffered a miscarriage weeks after finding she was pregnant. The Obamas used intro, uh, in vitro fertilization to conceive their two daughters, Malia, who's now 20, and Sasha, who's now 17. Becoming is in bookstores now. And Bruno Mars, he topped the end of his 24K Magic World Tour on Sunday night in his hometown of Honolulu, Hawaii, by covering the cost of Thanksgiving meals for 24,000 Hawaiians. According to the Hawaii Community Foundation, Mars is donating to the Salvation Army's 48th annual Thanksgiving dinner program in the Hawaiian and Pacific Island Division. Bruno's contribution is single-handedly expanding the program reach across the state, and the number of people who will benefit from the donations come from the names of his song, album, and tour, 24K Magic. Earlier this year, the finesse singer swept a... Uh, swept at the Grammy Awards, winning Album of the Year, Song of the Year, and Record of the Year. And prior to hitting the stage Sunday for the final stop in his 200-date world tour, which ran for nearly two years, the singer expressed his excitement on Instagram about entertaining the crowd. Last year, Mars' charitable work extended to Flint, Michigan, when he announced that he was donating $1 million to help people affected by the water crisis. So kudos to Bruno Mars. And tennis great Serena Williams has been named GQ Woman of the Year, but the magazine cover has felt outrage on social media because the word woman is in quotes. The 37-year-old feature in one of the four covers of the December issue wearing a black long-sleeved turtleneck leotard. GQ first made women part of its Men of the Year honoree in 2003, and the 2018 male cover boasts uh, Michael B. Jordan, Henry uh, Golden, and Jonah Hill. Serena cover has sparked controversy on Twitter primarily, primarily because many users seem unaware that the uh, typography was handwritten by designer Virgil Abloh, who uses quotation marks in his work. Abloh collaborated with Williams and Nike for her U.S. Open outfit, which features Serena in quotation on her trainers and logo on her tutu dress. Now, in response to a Twitter thread criticizing the cover, Mick Rouse, uh, research manager for GQ, he tweeted, quote, because it was handwritten by Virgil Abloh of Off-White, who has styled everything in quotation marks as of late, uh, he, he's, he's the one that sees Serena's U.S. Open apparel that he designed. Uh, last year in an open letter on Reddit, Williams shared her emotions about being called a man because of her muscular physique. And this is what she wrote. She said, quote, I've been called man because I appear outwardly strong. It has been said I don't belong in women's sports, that I belong in men's because I look stronger than many other women do. No, I just work hard. I was born with this badass body, and I'm proud of it, unquote. So what do you guys think? You know, you know, Serena has been, because of her size, because of her physique, um, 
you know, this whole thing about her being this top tennis player that for a woman she can't be that strong. Uh, for some reason they're saying she can't be that powerful. Why? And that's why this assumption that, oh, she must be uh, she must be a man is, is far from the truth. She trained hard. you got to remember she's been playing tennis ever since she was young. Her father had... Uh, trained her and her sister since they were little girls. So, and then you remember earlier this year, she's been the only player, I think the most, that's been drug test the most because they they have this um, have this problem with her being, uh, you know, the, the top tennis player with, with all this body and all this strength. She can't be this powerful of a player. And that's why she's been tested. She's the only player that been tested the most for drugs than any other tennis player. And remember, she had that incident this summer with the, that, uh, with the not the referee, but the guy calling her out about her alleged claiming she allegedly cheated. So you know, so this goes back to show you that you know why can't a, a black woman, woman who's very strong, built, can't be considered uh, feminine or considered more women woman like than someone of. Or a, 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 a white woman, so to say, to you know this this whole num- uh, assumption that she is she can't be feminine enough, or she because of her build and her strength, it, it's absurd. But people who and not nothing against uh, um, Caitlyn Jenner, you know when Caitlyn graced the cover of the magazine, oh everybody was saying how pretty she looked, how feminine she looked, but technically she's a really she didn't wasn't born that way. She was originally a man. She is really a man. She was born a man. She was born male, but she was considered pretty and feminine after she did the transformation. But Serena, who was born female. Oh, she can't be female because she's too big. She's too manly. She's too strong. She, you know, she's too powerful. See, a lot of, uh, I guess you can say, a lot of double standards. Uh, right now, we got 18 minutes after the hour. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to another edition of That's Entertainment. I'm your host, Tammy Jones Gibbs, where every Wednesday between 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern, I bring you the latest in entertainment news, celebrity news, and pop culture. If you like the show and you want to know more about it or want to tune in, make sure you click on the follow-up button on top of the show page, and that way it will send you a reminder when I broadcast live. Uh, unfortunately, last Wednesday we wasn't on the air, but this week we're back. And I'm glad that to everyone who's listening on the phone lines, thank you again for joining me here on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Jada Pickett-Smith has... Uh, Recall the pain of being racially abused by police officer in a new installment of her Facebook show, Red Table Talk. The actress and wife of superstar Will Smith discussed racism and the racial divide between women of color and white women, which, you know, uh, in Monday's uh, November 12th episode of the show, alongside her daughter Willow Smith, who's 18, and her mother, Adrienne Banfield-Jones. Now, during the chat, Jada spoke about the painful incident which saw her racially abused by officer of the law. She remembered going to Virginia Beach, and there were riots. 
and she was there by herself, and she was terrified, and she was trying to get back to her hotel room. And uh, that's when the police officer told her, you know, she they had blocked the street off, and she had wanted to go down the street, and the officer told her to take her, uh, they said the N-word to her, and uh, they called her a bitch and told her to to stay right there, they, you know. And, um, you know, it was terrible. And uh, the, also during the discussion, it moved on to the racial divide between African-American women and white women with Jada, meaning that she felt especially disappointed by it as white women understand what it feels to be oppressed. However, she also admitted to her having her own biases, especially with blonde women who bullied her about her appearance. Um, She said that um, blonde hair on white women triggered her. Uh, She said she had to catch herself at one point. She said she was uh, going to do an interview with this blonde woman, and she thought twice about it. She thought that she didn't know if she wanted to do the interview because she was a blonde-haired white woman. And her first instinct was because how she looked. And she was like, oh, that's no different than somebody saying, you know, people of a certain race, you know, the stereotype or this, you know, that people of certain looks or race, there's always this, this stereotype that everybody's like that. And uh, so she had to catch herself. And, um, you know, this whole thing about uh, the divide between African-American women and white women, she also mentioned how even though we are of two different races, we we are of the same gender. And, see, uh, some white women don't feel that they have this, this certain prejudice against them because because of their white. I mean, they can relate because they have been oppressed because of their sex, but they feel that because um, they can't stand with other women of color because of our oppressed situation, because we are women. And um, and the same thing happened with the elections uh, a couple of years ago with why some white women didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton and uh why uh, black women or voted for her or felt she made the better candidate, and how some white women didn't feel they that she made the better candidate, and we was a little confused because we really wanted to see a woman be the leader of the free world, and we didn't get it that hey, you know, we're all this this sisterhood, this this womanhood, and we should stand united. That's all about women power, girl power, and but. For some reason, uh, they just wanted to be separate from that. So, you know, that's what what she was talking about, you know, how, uh, you know, when it comes to white women and African-American women, yeah, we do face oppression, but they feel that their oppression is more towards their sex. They don't look at it that there shouldn't be a togetherness. And I'm just saying some feel that, that they can't relate because they're not women of color, that their only issue of why they're being unfair or not being paid enough or, or or being abused or because they are women. So, but yeah.
But you definitely got to catch Red Table Talk on uh, Facebook. It's it's very interesting. Every week is a different topic, so make sure you catch that. Uh, Pharrell Williams uh, has been labeled a hypocrite. And the reason is that he has been bombarded with these angry social media messages after performing at a benefit gig for Israeli Defense Forces personnel. The happy hitmaker joint stars included Ashton Kusher, Gerard Butler, Andy Garcia, and Ziggy Marley at the Friends of the Israeli Defense Forces Western Region Gala at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in California early this month. Attendees raised $60 million for IDF soldiers, the family of fallen Israeli service people, and wounded, wounded veterans. Uh, at the event, Pharrell performed happy, and he gave a speech calling for an end to fighting and remembering the victims of last month's attack on a synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But his presence had angered activists who objected the IDF action in the long-running Israeli-Palestine conflict. Uh, one person uh, wrote, the, he said, Dear Pharrell, you, you contribute in raising $60 million to a nasty army that has killed hundreds of thousands of my people. And this is what one furious Palestinian campaigner wrote on Twitter. Others accused him of hypocrisy as he had tried to ban U.S. President Donald Trump from playing happy at rallies. And the responses to a tweet he posted on Monday, November 12, contained a barrage of abusive messages. One called him a cockroach for funding genocide against Palestinians. Now, Palestinian-American hip-hop producer Fred Reck also slammed the 45-year-old singer, tweeting, To my friend Pharrell, you performed for the IDF who murdered 252 Palestinians, 49 children this year, protesting for their rights against being occupied, and you sing happy to them. What a shame. And Ahmed Abu Atima, a writer and activist who had led protests in Gaza in the Israeli occupied territories, told the Middle East Eye website that gala attendees had blood on their hands for helping raise money for the IDF. Stars including Lord and Lena Del Rey had previously pulled out of gigs in Israel following pressure from activists. And tensions in the region are high as this week because the Hamas militants had bombarded the Jewish state with rockets, causing Israeli officials to retaliate with target airstrikes. And you remember, um, I think it was a couple, uh, when uh, Gal Gadot was, uh, when she was doing, uh, when Wonder Woman, the movie came out, she's she's Israeli, and they banned the movie Wonder Woman in the Palestine uh the Palestinians had banned the movie just because she was Israeli and she used to be in the Israeli army. So, but you know, it's really ironic because speaking of the um, the synagogue incident in Pittsburgh, the Jewish community and the Palestine, uh, Palestine community in that area came together. For some reason, the Jewish Americans and the Palestinian Americans in this country get along. For some reason, they don't—they're not fighting here. They're getting along. They're working together. There's no issue here with them here in the United States. But um, yeah, a lot of people are not too happy with Pharrell. And remember, Pharrell also uh, had sent. Donald Trump a cease and desist letter for playing his music 
uh, at because of this the shooting, you know, he was doing a uh, the the week that very same week he was or the week prior to the shooting, he was campaigning before the election. He was having those uh, rallies, and he had used uh, Pharrell music. Despite the circumstances, and I think it was after the shooting, to be if if I'm not mistaken, when he played his music happy at this rally, despite what had happened at that synagogue, and he was like, "Oh, you cannot play my music during this uh, this time in our country where we had this this shooting of these people. Nothing is happy go- going on, you know, in this country when it comes to gun violence." So. So that's why they're saying Pharrell is a hypocrite. Uh, right now we got 28 minutes after uh, the hour. Uh, coming up, uh, we're going to be talking about um, Snoop Dogg. He's been honored as the next celebrity to get a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. We'll talk about that. Uh, Spike Lee, remember the movie School Days? Well, it's getting ready to celebrate its 30th anniversary. I'll tell you more about it. And Martin Lawrence and Will Smith have reunited last week to announce that Bad Boys for Life, the third film, Bad Boy franchise, is officially happening. Also, uh, Paris Hilton may be considered a humanitarian. I'll tell you what she did when she jetted off to Mexico. And, uh, you know, speaking of the fires in California, uh, Alex Baldwin's daughter, Ireland Baldwin, uh, she was left fuming uh, after a police accused her of looting because she just wanted to go back to her home uh, to get, I guess, get some things. Um, We'll talk about that. And the Real Housewives of New Jersey star Joe Giudici, uh, he has appealed his deportation order. All those stories and more coming up in the next half hour, so don't go anywhere.
And speaking of Martin Lawrence, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, they reunited last week to announce that Bad Boy for Life, the third film in the Bad Boy franchise, is officially happening but will include Gabrielle Union. The actress reacted to Smith and Lawrence's social media posts with eyeball emojis and a telephone, which basically translates to call me. Uh, Union played Lawrence's younger sister in Bad Boy 2 and Smith's love interest, as reported by MovieWeb.com. Her response to the long-awaited sequel comes after NBC canceled her Bad Boy TV spinoff, as was uh, as we was previously reported on Instagram on Wednesday, Smith and Lawrence confirmed that Bad Boy for Life is finally moving forward and that reprising their role as Detective Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett. In a video shared by Smith, the actor tells viewers that the new movie is going to happen. The news followed more than a decade of rumors, confirmation, and delays for a follow-up to Bad Boy 2, which was released 15 years ago. In 2015, Sony confirmed that Bad Boy 3, as it was a initially titled, was set for a February 2017 release. In 2016, the date was pushed back to January 2018. The original movie grossed $65 million, and the second installment bags $138 million worldwide. Michael Bay directed the first two films. Aldil El Arbi and Balal Falal will helm Bad Boy for Life, which is now set to release on January 17, 2020. And Paris Hilton, she jetted off to Mexico amid her wedding planning on Monday, November 12, to help families affected by a devastating earthquake last year. The hotel chain Eris and DJ met with families in uh, Z- uh, Zacamilco, and they posted for pictures, and she handed out goods to those still impacted by the tremors. More than 100 people died when the earthquake struck in September of 2017, and many families are still recovering from the devastation. Hilton uh, partnered with organizer at Un Kilo del Ayudo, uh, no, Ayuda, which means one kilo of help, to arrange the trip, and this is according to TMZ. And model Ireland Baldwin was left fuming over the weekend after a policeman accused her of looting from her own home as she evacuated the properties due to the California wildfires. The 23-year-old daughter of Alec Baldwin and Kim Baster took to Twitter on Sunday to vent about the confrontation, explaining that she was just trying to save some of her prized possession from her Malibu pad as the Woosley fire flames began to spread through her neighborhood. And this is what she... um, she ran about This is what she tweeted. She said, yesterday, I spent all day trying to get back to my place in Malibu to gather a couple of my things before the winds were expected to pick up. And uh, she said not only was the police officer being a, she said, a D, but he had zero compassion. He literally accused us of being looters and threatened us that we were going to be arrested if we kept giving him trouble, unquote. Ireland went on to reveal her mother, L.A. confidential actress Kim Basinger, had become the latest star to have her property destroyed by the blaze. A representative for Basinger had yet to comment on the claim, but she isn't alone. Miley Cyrus, Robin Thicke, Neil Young, and Gerard Butler are are among those whose pads have also been wrecked in the devastating disaster. And the Real Housewives of New Jersey star Joe 
Judici has appealed his deportation order. Joe, the husband of Teresa Judici, filed a last-minute appeal to dispute his order to leave the U.S. at the end of his prison sentence. A spokesperson for the Department of Justice told the website, that uh, Entertainment Tonight website, that the appeal was filed on November 9th. A rep for the couple has yet to comment. Last month, Joe was ordered by immigration judge John Ellington to leave the U.S. upon completion of his jail term. The Italian father of four is currently halfway through serving a 41-month prison sentence at the Federal Correctional Institution in Fort Dix, New Jersey, for conspiracy to commit wire and bankruptcy fraud. Back in 2014, Teresa and Joe pleaded guilty to multiple charges of fraud. The reality star was sent to 15 months in a federal prison and began her sentence in January of 2015, but was released in December that same year. In a recent interview with Entertainment Tonight, Teresa said that the family would fight the uh, the deportation deportation order. And the Grinch has gotten an early Christmas present with a victory at the box office at its early arrival. Universal Pictures and uh, Illumination Animated takes on Dr. Seuss' classic holiday tale ranked in an estimated $66 million in the U.S. and Canada from Friday through Sunday, November 9th to the 11th. The movie that's starring Benedict Cumberbatch as the grumpy green creature posted the third biggest domestic opening for a Seuss movie after Ron Howard's 2000 Live action take How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which opened to 85.1 million, and The Lorax, which debuted to 81 million in 2012 after adjusting for inflation. Made with a reported $75 million budget, it is expected to add $12.7 million from international markets this weekend. Directed by Scott Moser and Yaro Cheney, uh, the Utah theme movie has got mixed reviews from critics, but it's well received by moviegoers who gave it an A minus cinema score. The Grinch easily beat Bohemian Rhapsody, which now plays second with approximately $30.8 million, dropping only 39.6 from last weekend's gross. It has now crossed $100 million domestically with additional $185 million from international markets. Other new releases did fare as well as The Grinch, World War II zombie film Overlord from critical acclaimed director Julius Avery and producer J.J. Abrams opened at number three with an estimated $10.1 million. Meanwhile, The Girl in the Spider Web, which is based on the novel of the same name, barely made it into the top five with approximately $8 million. A Star is Born trail behind uh, at number six with 5000 less, but that could change when the actual numbers come in on next Monday. And Blackish celebrated a milestone yesterday. Tuesday night episode celebrated its 100 episode. The ABC sitcom decided to pay tribute to the late legend Prince in the episode, which was properly titled Purple Rain. Uh, everyone could be seen performing spots on tributes to the Purple One's hits like Kiss, Erotic City, Sign of the Time, Purple Rain, and Sexy MF the latter which was cut due to language. Fans on Twitter were praising the episode, showing their approval of the show, homage to his royal badness. Black is showing more love to Prince than any music award show ever did, tweeted one fan. The clothes for this Blackish tribute are fabulous, uh, said another fan on Twitter. 
and another fan wished the episode would last longer than 30 minutes. Executive producer Jonathan Roth revealed to TV Guide that the episode cost them some great good money, adding that it requires shockingly close to $1 million. Right now we got 15 minutes left remaining in the show. I'm going to go ahead and take another music break, and I'll be back with the last remaining stories of the day, so don't go anywhere.
That was 21 Pilots. The latest called Morph. Right now we got 10 minutes left remaining in the show. And for the last remaining stories of the day, Cardi B is heading back to the small screen. That's right. The Bodak Yellow Rapper has been tapped to serve as one of the main judges on Netflix's upcoming hip-hop music competition series titled Rhythm and Flow. Also joining her in the judge panel are Chance the Rapper and T.I. The new series has been officially greenlit by the streaming giant after the the three music stars signed on. The show reportedly has been in development stages for more than a year. In addition to Cardi, T.I. and Chance, Rhythm and Flow is back with another impressive musical pedigree. It's set to uh, hair air from the EGOT winner, John Legend, and his Get Lifted Film Company, also serving as executive producer under the banner are Mike Jackson and Ty Sticklorius. They will be joined by former NBC chairman Jeff Gaspin of Gaspin Media, Jesse Collins for Jesse Collins Entertainment, and Nikki Boella, Jeff Pollock, Cardi, Chance the Rapper, and T.I. It's unknown if all of me hitmakers will ever appear on any on the on-camera capacity. There's still possibility for that since they haven't announced the host just yet. Auditions for the show will kick off this fall in cities across the country, including the judges' hometowns of Atlanta, Chicago, and New York. And Intending to find and foster undiscovered hip-hop talent in multiple cities, Rhythm and Flow will see hip-hop stars from each audition city serving as guest judges. And winter is coming closer. Games of Thrones has announced on Twitter when the eighth and final season of the mega-hit series will arrive on HBO. Consisting of six oversized episodes, the long-awaited season will premiere in April. It was announced on Tuesday, November 13, the show official Twitter account, alongside a brief video that was set to an epic orchestral score. The video unfortunately didn't give a glimpse of, news, of the new season. However, it will help fans refresh their minds about what has happened on the series in the span of seven seasons. It features some of the best moments of Games of Thrones, including the Battle of the Bastards, the Red Wedding, as well as the execution of Ned Stark. The fact that Games of Thrones will be returning in April received positive reaction from fans. It's because that means the show is back to its traditional release period, as the majority of this past season also premiered in April. And while fans now know that Season 8 of Game of Thrones will premiere April next year, the specific premiere date is currently unknown. Fans expect a new teaser trailer will be dropped in January with a full-length trailer arriving around February. And uh, John Boyega, who we know from the new Star Wars movies, and Letitia Wright from uh, Black Panther, they the two of them are going to be starring in an upcoming sci-fi love story called Hold Back the Stars. Deadline reported on Thursday, November 8th, that the pair were attached to the adaptation of Katie Kahn's 2017 novel of the same name, which had been described as a Romeo-Juliet meets gravity. The book tells the story of a couple who revisit memories of their love affair on a utopia Earth while they are trapped in the vast void of space with only 90 minutes of oxygen left, and Khan herself confirmed the news on Twitter the following day. This will be the British film star's first time working together. However, they do share a friendship away from the big screen and cause much excitement among film fans when they attended the 2018 Met Gala together this past May. In September, it was announced that both Biega and Wright has been selected as patrons of a new Los Angeles drama school, signing on as board members for the Identity School of Acting in West Hollywood. The venue served as the Los Angeles branch of the London Institution of the same name, where the acting duo both studied. 
And acts such as Amy Winehouse, Prince, and The Clash are set to be remembered on the new Music Walk of Fame in London. The Music Walk of Fame will stretch along the roads connecting the music venue, the Roadhouse, and Coco in Camden, North London. Each musician will get an individual paving stone like the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which can be scanned by cell phones to reveal stories behind the stars via an app. A test stone is due to be installed in February and of next year, and the organizers hope to lay more than 400 of the one-meter-square granite plaques over the next two decades. Fans and members of the music industry will be asked to help decide who should be honored on the Music Walk of Fame, but early contenders are thought to include Winehouse, who lived and passed away in Camden in 2011, the class who had a studio there, and the late Prince, who performed at the Electric Ballroom in 2014 and once opened a uh, memorabilia shop in the neighborhood in the 1990s. Other expected acts include Queen, Coldplay, and Madness, while it's being decided if notable non-performers such as Sex Pistol uh, manager Malcolm McLaren and songwriter Bernie Topin are allowed to be included. And rapper Travis Scott has postponed a string of dates on his Astro World tour due to production issues. The new dad once kicked off the trek last week on November 8th in Baltimore, Maryland, and he's already experiencing problems and four shows have been scrapped, including Monday Night Gig in Tampa, Florida. But it appears that the Astroworld Tour stop in Dallas tomorrow, Thursday, November 15th, is still on. And, uh... The the um this whole uh, designer thing about um uh you know Kanye West about this box well we'll go back to that but um, even after he was going all out of his way to Uganda to work on his next album uh, Yanhe uh, it appeared that Kanye West is still not convinced that the record will be as perfect as what he wanted it to be. The controversial rapper had announced that he would be postponing the release date of his highly anticipated effort. Kanye apparently came to realization that Yahi isn't ready to hit the stores just yet after taking the stage at Tyler the Creator Camp Flogna on Sunday, November 10th. Now, some fans are understandably upset to learn that the stronger hit maker has to be had to push back the release date, but some others decide to respect his decision and keep supporting him. It's unclear what made Kanye decide to post Postpone Yahi release date once again, but some speculate that it might be because he appeared to be struggling during his 45-minute set at the annual festival. At the time, the Gold Digger rapper seemingly ran out of breath and forgot his lyrics a few times. His set also caused a little bit of controversy at the stage design was strikingly similar to Lord's signature set. The Australian singers herself have noticed the similarities and went on to accuse him of stealing her idea. And this is what she said. She said, I'm proud of the work I do, and it's flattering when other artists feel inspired by it to the extent that they try it on themselves. This is what she said on her Instagram stories. But she said, but don't steal, not from women or anyone else in 2018 or ever. Now, the designers behind her set had come to Kanye's defense and claimed that Kanye didn't rip off the design for the stage. Uh, The designer name is S. Delvin, the artist and designer who created the box for the Australian singer set at Coachella, 
posted a picture of her box designed for a performer, performance of Carmen by the English National Opera. The idea of a floating glass box, of course, is not any any idea or any way new, and the geometry precedes all of them. Uh, the form finds another layer of uh, resonance in each new content. Uh, she also went on to say that she wasn't the one who designed Kanye's glass box stage for his performance, but she admitted that he wasn't intimidating, uh, wasn't imitating Lord at all. Um, Trackhouse, who designed the stage for Kanye's performance, also weighed in on the controversy, denying the accusation. And John McGuire, the owner of the company, said in a statement that Lord wasn't the first person to use a floating glass box. She won't be the last. She doesn't own it. Her designer didn't invent it. And a source additionally told E! News that Devin had created floating stage for Kaye before she was hired to create Lord's Coachella stage. And they also said that they thought that it was very odd that Lord also tried to make it into a gender issue when Devlin, his creative collaborator who originated the glass box idea, is female. And... Uh, Michael Blue Bay has described his upbeat new album as a baby-making record. Uh, the singer is gearing up to release his first studio album after a two-year hiatus in which he took time out of the limelight to care for his five-year-old son, Noah, as he battled liver cancer. Noah has gone since gone on to make a full recovery, and when it came to recording his 10th studio album, Love, Michael wanted it to be a, be a whole album based on positivity. The Canadian crooner and his wife, Louis, uh, Louisiana, Louisiana, I think that's her name, uh, she's, uh, they're both parents, she and Michael are parents of two-year-old son, uh, Elias, and three-month-old daughter, Vita, and Michael had dedicated a song on the album for Deva now to his three children. However, he believed the tune is too emotional for him to ever perform live. And, uh, you know, on Thursday, uh, he announced, this last Thursday, he announced he was going on his first tour since Noah's recovery. He's kicking off the dates on the 27th City U.S. run in Tampa, Florida, on February 13th of next year. And the tour will end on April 6th in Tacoma, Washington. And it will also include stops off at New York City Madison Square Garden and the Los Angeles Staples Center. Well, that will do it for me for this week. Tune in next time when we do it all over again. You've been listening to That's Entertainment. Uh, I'm your host, Tammy Jones-Gibbs. Have a great week. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you next time. Take care. <laughs>